guess we get some somewhat breaking news right before the podcast for once. I feel like it always happens the day after we record and then we have to wait a whole week before we actually talk about it. Happened last last week too, didn't it? Because we extended it. What? Oh yeah, it was yeah. We got we got Bruce Cassidy's firing. Yeah. After we delayed it a day, and then now we get his hiring because we also delayed it a day again. Yeah. So I guess I guess two I guess recording Tuesday nights is kind of our sweet spot. I think we should probably stick with it. eh? It's a honey hole. It's a it's a honey hole. Um. Yeah. Welcome into the production line podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. Yeah, we got we got a lot to talk about. Honestly, there's actually some Red Wing news. Um, obviously the ongoing coaching carousel going on in the NHL. Maybe this is the first domino to fall and will cause a bit of a ripple effect. Uh, we also have a six foot eight human signing a ZLC. Uh, some Memorial Cup stuff, Red Wings related, and we'll preview the finals and along with wrap up uh, the Eastern Conference finals as well. But first. Quick word from our show sponsor in uh, Friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS is your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven main standing industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. That was one of my worst ad reads in quite a while. Nothing good about that. That's quite funny. Like you're just trying to get through it. I know. I kept tripping <laughs> over my own tongue. I also like had it. I had it on a different uh, page on my phone. So I had to like slide up out of the notes app and then find it. And then I was had to find where my reading was while I kept talking, which is just never good. I can't talk and do stuff at the same time. It's not good. It gets me in trouble at work. One dimensional. I'm one dimensional. I feel like I've already worked a full week as well this week without like I only worked three days last week. because uh, We took a vac- vacation to Maine. And I feel like I'm so beaten down after we're only working two days this week where I haven't really done all that much, which is just pretty funny to me. Um, yeah, let's get into let's get right into the, I mean, the fresh news. I mean, Bruce Cassidy uh, was connected to Detroit in ways. He The report was he did interview and then he also was connected with Vegas, obviously, and he ends up going to Vegas. Um, what's your guys' initial reaction and what's the fit with Cassidy in Vegas? Um, the fit is they were a really good defensive team. This year they sucked defensively and kind of as a whole. And Cassidy has had really good defensive numbers since he's joined the league. I really like Cassidy here. I think this is the best team available without a coach besides Florida if they don't hire Bruno back. And I think he wanted he wants to win yet. So I think it's a pretty decent fit. Andy. He'll be back he'll be back in the market in like two years. <laughs> that's kind of my thought. That's yeah. like my big that's like my like I we were talking a little bit before. And that's kind of my biggest thing is I think Vegas got the right guy because I think he has a chance for longevity and also their style. And uh, I think he fits very well in that sense. And Grant brought up a good point of needing to improve their team defense. Yeah. But for like from his perspective of just getting fired from a team that told him he was safe, literally like right as the season ended, his job was safe. And then only two weeks later to get, uh, the GM showing up at your front door and telling you that you're fired, which is, I don't know, not great loyalty. So going to an organization that is known for not being loyal to their head coaches is just interesting to me. So, yeah, I think Andy's right. He might end up on the market a couple of years. Yeah. But, I mean, Vegas is a great spot in the sense of their owners, while be it sometimes is their downfall, is they will do anything to win. And he likes the big name. Bill Foley does, the owner. And he's going to spend big bucks. And he got the big name head coach. And they have great facilities, no state income tax. Bruce Cassidy finally gets to coach Jack Eichel, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I saw some tweets about that today. That was really funny. <laughs> I see. Yeah, the Bruins fans are like, it's, it's not what we meant when we said <laughs> we want Jack Eichel to be coached by Bruce Cassidy. That's funny. Um, no, I, I think it's a 
probably their best fit, but uh, ultimately I, I question Bruce's tactics from a, like a life standpoint, not like the winning standpoint is the best team, but again, what was his contract? He was making, well, I don't know. I, I didn't see the numbers released for this contract, but he was making is rumored like 3 million in Boston. Yeah. No, I was just wondering if they came out for Vegas yet or not. I mean, I didn't really look, I mean, it could have, but again, coaching salaries are so weird. It's like, I, yeah. I feel like only when a coach is like on the verge of being fired that we find out how much money they were making. Like Jeff Blasher yeah. was like one and a half is like what the report was. I think when LeBron tweeted that he was on a team option second year, I think it was something like that. Right. Barry Trotz was making like 5 million. Uh, yeah. Again, like it just kind of depends on the situation. Usually they don't announce the coach's salary. Like I'd be really curious to know what like Don Cooper's making. Is it bad that I just, as soon as I heard that Castillo was going to Vegas, I just thought of one song, a song that I listened to recently or that came on my shuffle on my phone. Do the song by Mansions. Okay, yeah. Strip Club. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, going to the strip club. Yeah, that just popped in my head. Yeah, no, I I think I I must have listened to that yesterday or the day before, and it's just been in my head all day since I saw Cassie got hired by Vegas. I listen to that album way too much, but um, yeah, no, really that's dumb. a that's a really that's a really funny callback. That is so funny. I don't know what like I don't know what I thought. I yeah, I don't know what I thought of right away. I was just like, oh, interesting, because I wasn't expecting something that quick for he was little. It was less than a week he was unemployed. Six days and twenty two hours. I saw. Uh, yeah, tweeted that one of the Bruins reporters. Yeah, it was. I think it, was it uh, Connor Ryan. Might have been he him. was Mikey guy or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I th- yeah. Again, kind of a big, uh, it's a big name off the market. Do you think this influences the rest of the coaching market now? Are we going to see some other guys start filling into places or is this kind of a, we're still waiting on Barry Trotz? I think it's still Barry Trotz's show. Yeah. Considering that Cassidy wasn't even available mm-hmm. a week ago. Um, ultimately, I think Detroit might be the last domino to fall. Oh, definitely. I, I've like, I kind of, I was really hot on trots for like the first part of it. And then I realized more and more, I'm like, it's not going to happen, especially that it, the rumors are that he only wants to be a coach for like a little bit longer than transition to management, which I mean, Detroit could do, but I think Detroit kind of wants to establish like a more of a long-term culture. And yeah. so if trots was coming, then we'd need to bring like a, like a hot shot, like assistant to go with and groom him and then step in, which is just not like something you see all the time. So it's just uh it'd be a weird like fit. But uh no, I I did see something that Trotz is re- reportedly going to be like narrowing down his list by like this week. And so I don't know if he's going to make a decision, but I mean, the Winnipeg there was a bar in Manitoba that did offer him free beer for life. That was if interesting. He, I mean, I think about it if I'm Barry Trotz. It's not what bad. he That's should not- do he should go to Philadelphia. And then take over as GM. Honestly, that is the best case scenario for Philadelphia because Chuck Fletcher is a moron. Yeah. Take over as GM after what three years or something like that. Okay, no, no. He needs he takes over as GM after the Red Wings get Travis Sandheim. Right. I mean, (laughs) I'm okay with that. Once once he's gone, then we can Barry can take over and do his thing. So I'm sure Barry Trotz will be excellent at being a GM as well. Yeah. But Chuck Fletcher is very much not. He's the poster boy for nepotism in the NHL. <laughs> They're like, hey, till, he, he was a decent. Wait. What's up? I can't wait till he sends Philip Perona to Chuck Fletcher's way. Oh, Chuck Fletcher will be salivating. Salivating. He's like, I thought oh, I had my partner. <laughs> <laughs> you talking it's about? It's true, man. If there's there's not a GM more, there's like not another GM in the league that loves burning money more than. Chuck Fletcher, like lighting yeah. it on fire. <laughs> you know the scene in the you know the scene in the Dark Knight where the Joker is like money doesn't matter yeah. to me. Where's the gasoline all over it and lights the mountain of money on fire? That is that is Chuck Fletcher day one of free agency. Shrelly was close too. Shrelly, that's a good one too. Yeah. I mean, Ken, Ken Ken Holland towards the end of the Red Wings era was also very good at that. Yeah. How much do you think he offers Goodrow? 
Oh, I think I uh ooh. He's does he go ten? He might go ten. I don't know. He I had think, 115 I think, points this year. I think he uh, he yeah, Goodrell would be an interesting fit there, but I, I think I prefer him in New Jersey. My problem with New Jersey is they're already so small. Yeah, and I know I saw like a tweet was like our average size is like six one or whatever. I'm like, look at all your best players though. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna be the team of short kings. Yeah, which I mean, fine. You can have small skill players, but you need to mix it in a little bit. Who's 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 our tallest player? Dougie Hamilton, Miles Wood, Mackenzie Blackwood. Well, for skill players, um, Ryan, would... Ryan Graves. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. For like good forwards, Nico Heischer is what six two, six three. No, he's smaller than that. He's like six is foot he? six one. Yeah, he's, he's not that. He's like six okay, foot like one hundred eighty. They are he's the yeah. Kings. You got Jesper Dawson Bratt. Dawson Mercer is like five eleven. Yeah, for Bratt. Yeah. Uh, Jack Hughes, obviously. Uh, he's like about 5'9", 5'10", or something like that, maybe? Yeah, Holtz, Holtz is decent size, I guess. But he's not, like, throwing his body around. Zetterlund is tiny. Yep. Tatar is a guy that's Sharon, in there right Sharon now. Sharon Govich. Tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Zaka, the, the guy with size, is reportedly not going to be qualified <laughs> this summer. Yeah. Yeah. He's training for Kevin Fiala. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they definitely are a team that could use a little more size on the, in the you know, the front end of their uh, – the roster. So that good draw want to be an interesting one, but kind of back to the coaches. There was another coach that was connected to Detroit, which I kind of like, I don't know, rolled my eyes about, but again, it's notable. He did interview uh, David Quinn had former head coach of the Rangers. Um, kind of a interesting spot. The Rangers were in, full in a rebuild and there was reports that he didn't play young players and people weren't happy with the ice time he's doing. So you can argue whether like how well he was set up for success. And it's kind of like the Jeff Blaschel argument, argument, in my opinion. Like if a team's looking to hire Jeff Blaschel, like what are you viewing as like the process, right? So I that's like a conversation for Eisman. Um Again, he's not at the top of my list, but I don't know if you guys have more to add on to that. I don't really have a whole lot to add on Quinn other than the people he's being criticized by are literally – some of the worst fans in hockey, if not the worst. I have nothing nice to say about Rangers fans. They're really, really annoying. Um, I'm, I don't know. I could go on and on about Rangers fans. <laughs> oh, we'll, talk, so, we'll, talk, we'll, talk, we'll talk about them in a little bit. We're talking about them at the end of the episode. Okay, great. Uh, David <laughs> Quinn, I welcome you with open arms now that I know that you're not liked by Rangers fans because I want to be – not like the Rangers fans as well. <laughs> yeah, he'd be an interesting one. I like a guy that I didn't really expect, but again, I don't know. I, I don't really have any like ill will towards him. I know he's in the mix. I think he's one of the preferred guys in Boston right now. So that might be, and he's he was also a former coach of BU. So there's a fit there. It's yeah. him, Jay Leach, and um, I think Nate Lehman's in the running again, which would be a big, big grab because he's gets a really cushy job in Providence right now. The yeah. Providence College, not the Bruins. Jay Leach was the Bruins, the Providence Bruins. So that'd be, um, yeah, that'd be something to watch as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, Friedman on 32 Thoughts said Eisman was casting a wide net reportedly and talking to everyone, every candidate. So, I mean, he's probably interviewed probably like 10 to 15 guys at this point that we can guess, right? And the names that keep popping up, like they're kind of like waiting for reportedly is the Tampa Bay assistants in Lalonde and Halpern, which makes me just think more and more that like, I don't know, Derek Lalonde could be the guy. I think both those guys are really interesting options. Halpern doesn't have as much experience as Lalonde, um, but he was a good NHL player. Uh, and he's, I say this nicely. He's easier on the eyes. He's handsome. <laughs> He's a handsome man. I, I'm saying, like, so you're saying you're saying Derek Lalonde's not your cup of tea. <laughs> I'm saying he looks like you. You were saying he looks like Gru earlier. He does kind of look like Gru, which is tough. really interesting. He's got the he's got the big nose and like kind of like the the shoulders that are like really close to. He doesn't really have much of a neck. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like Gru and Despicable Me's like shoulders are not like don't even like it doesn't have a neck. Yeah, it's, it's like very trotz esque, but also yeah, it's kind of yeah. 
ex-gamblers coach. Kind of cool. We did. We Grant and I were talking about this, Andy, uh, in the middle of last week that we did. We watched him coach the gamblers. Mm-hmm. We did. We yeah. The gamblers were pretty good that year too. Nick Schmaltz. Nick Schmaltz was a rookie. This is draft. Uh, was it his draft year? It was. Were those the the Gates brothers? Uh, I think so. They would have been the team too with Schmaltz. I only knew we only knew Schmaltz because he was the only guy that wore a cage. No. Uh, yeah, he was um, the only guy that wore a cage. He was sick though. He's not good anymore. He only had like uh, seven. What do you mean? Game. <laughs> he had a couple like multi-point games. He had a run seven point game year. against uh, was it Ottawa or eight? Didn't he light seven. up the Red Wings? Dude, didn't he have like four points against the Red Wings? Yeah, it was the game after he had seven against Ottawa. Yeah, hell of a hell of a week. <laughs> Go off. And he only got Go third off. star of the week. So you're saying Nick Schmaltz is our That's new joke. second line center? Yeah. So we reunite him with Derek Lalonde. I was saying earlier, Anthony Sorelli is going to be the new second line center. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll talk about I, I want to get like a, a full on offseason episode where we just get kind of crazy. Say some say some things we probably should. Just, just a pipe dream. I feel like we should, it should be like over like a couple beers. You know what I mean? And like just yeah. kind of get a little loose with it. Um, fly, fly home to the UP. I, I can afford it. I just. <laughs> I splurged on a vacation in Maine where I spent yeah. way too much money on lobster rolls all week. You call that though. <clears throat> yeah, I mean market price Still. lobster is not exactly cheap right now. No. Especially Nothing's right off cheap. the coast. Nothing's cheap right now. It's true. Jeez. Yeah, you know what you know what could be cheap though? Jeff Blashell in Florida. Yeah. Can you imagine Jeff Blashell, some sandals. Swimsuit on, tank top, tan at ball the beach, head. playing yeah, beach see, volleyball. My only, my only, yeah, my only worry is just like who's gonna get like the top of his head. Yeah. Someone's gotta make yeah. sure that's like nice and sunscreened up. I just pictured Jeffy B at the club with the Florida Panthers guy players before Game Four of an elimination game, just hanging sure out. Get the guys, go, get the guys get, going. Get the fellas going. He's rallying yeah. the troops, boys. Let's let's get loose before Game Four. That'd be the ultimate, like, for all of, like the Jeff the Jeff Lashell supporters for like through the years. That'd be the ultimate, like, see what he can do with a good team, kind of thing. I'd be really <laughs> curious. I'm like really curious to see if ultimately it was like one guy that told told Freeman to watch out for. Excuse me, uh, Blashell in, in Florida. So that's something. Um, I literally had notes on like he interviewed in Philly, and then a couple days later he was out in Philly. Like they narrowed down the list, he did not make the cut. Yeah. So wasn't was Philly's one. list literally just Tortorella, Trots, and was that it? Or... Well, that was the only two names that were reported. There are more. There's more to the list. I think DeBoer was also rumored to be in that list as well. Yeah. From what I saw, Saravalli only reported the two names that he heard officially. Yeah. So I mean, Blashley got an interview. Same with David Quinn. I think David Quinn also got an interview there. I love like the the contradiction to other teams that like how much we hear, like who's all getting interviewed there. We're Detroit. We let everyone's like, well, we think Barry Trotz and Bruce Casty interviewed in Detroit. And we think that David Quinn has actually, no, the David Quinn, one, I think was more than more confirmed. He was like more hard, hard nose uh, reporting there. But uh, yeah, definitely. I kind of love this kind of season, like this kind of year time of year personally, like with the, especially with the team that, like we cover is in need of a head coach because we haven't really had this. So it's kind of fun to like speculate who's going to be the next guy and what direction the team's going to go. Um, yeah. I still think Eisman's going to go off the board possibly though. If it's not um, one of Lalonde or Halpern, I think it could be completely, it's going to be completely off the board. Yeah. It's either <clears throat> going to be someone that he's close to like has had eyes on for years or like you said, completely off the board. Yep. Um, yeah, I suppose we can get off the hypothetical coach talk slash ripping of the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, well, let's Bloom, for a while. We could stay on that. Elmer <laughs> Soderblom signs his entry-level contract finally. I know Grant and I were like, what's the holdup? You know, and uh, finally came out. The deadline for the SHL to have a contract is the 15th of June, to my understanding. So he only had... Literally, it would have been tomorrow that it yeah. would have been the deadline for him to sign a deal to stay in Sweden. 
So it worked out pretty pretty well. Um, it's three years, eight hundred seventy eight thousand seventy k in the minors. Not too bad. Nice little signing bonus too. Nice little signing bonus. Yeah. So, I guess what I'm kind of asking, what do we see from Elmer next year? Where is he fitting in? Um, what role do you see him playing? How will he adjust to North America? Start with Grant. Um, I either see him playing in the top six with Taco or Hannes. That would both be really fun. Two playmakers to play with. A guy that's known for scoring goals in the AHL. I don't ultimately see him making the team unless he had an insane camp, which would be really hectic and fun, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, very fun. I just don't see that happening, though. I think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. I would like to see him produce similar to burger numbers. Wow. Maybe not. Not, not quite like that in a different way. I'm saying like mm-hmm. if he can pot 25 to 30 goals next year and have around 50 points in the AHL. Yeah. That'd be pretty nice. And I think they should try to get him as much of a chance in all different areas of the game, especially power play, play him all the time in the power play. I don't know. Andy? Yeah, like, I don't see – I see him probably being top six in Grand Rapids too to start the year and maybe, like, call up if he's doing well. Unless something, like, really goes to shit and free agency and we don't get players we want and need. And, right. Like, or, you know, like, players that we want to target we don't get. So, I yeah, I just kind of see him playing out the year in Grand Rapids for the most part. Maybe get – five, ten-ish games with injuries and stuff like that in Detroit with limited ice time maybe. Or if we're out of the playoff picture again early, mm-hmm. see if, like, give him a shot, see what he has. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of – I think top six in Grand Rapids is a good fit, and I'm looking for 25 to 30 goals. I'm less concerned about the assists. If he can score, he can score. That's what I'm more concerned about. Um, what I don't want to happen, and I'm afraid that's going to happen – is cool he's six eight and 250 pounds let's make him let's make him be a power forward yeah no no he is a skill player he's a skilled player and he needs to hone in those skills at the pro level in north america which is going to be an adjustment it's not i don't think it's gonna be pretty right away but i could be wrong but what needs to happen and grant brought it up like being a power play threat i want him to try a bunch of different positions on the power play not like don't just stick him net front and leave him there. I kind of want to see him play the half wall, both sides. Maybe play bumper. You know what I mean? Like try to try to see where his best fit is. I think like Ben Simon didn't have a lot to work with last year, and I know he got some criticism for Griffins fans like on like how they did standings wise. But they're gonna have a ton of young talent this year, and I'm really curious to see how he does with it. That's my thing. Um, and I want him to like, especially like I, I know he's not like directly in charge of the power play, but whoever's running the power play down there. I want them to take more of a initiative and work in the young talent and see what they can really do. Cause I mean, if Berggren's not down there, then you're going to be in search of guys who are going to be power play specialists. For that sure. team, that team's going to be so fun. I really wish I lived in Grand Rapids for just this year. I'm going to try to make everyone in Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, at least good for you. Like they played whatever, six times. Yeah. It's just the ones on the weekdays would be tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, count out whatever two or three of those. But even still, yeah. Um, no, I, I like the fit with Taco. I think that's like the biggest one for me. It's him and Hiroshi. I think it makes the most sense, honestly. Hannes does make sense as well, but I think you're going to want him more with a veteran guy as well. I think they – did they re-sign – they re-signed Shine. And they re-signed Elson, right? No, not yet, I don't think. No, they, no, they didn't re-sign Elson? I thought no, they he was still on the UFA list. Okay, bummer. Um, I was going to say, he'd be a guy I'd be throwing with Hannes a little bit. I like Ellison a lot. 
not Shine. I think Shine's a fourth line guy character. I like Dominic Shine. Fourth line guy in the AHL? Yeah. No. No? He's a second or third liner. Really? Dude uh-huh. plays hard and he produces. I mean, NM- NMU legend, but. <laughs> I mean, like you have Chris, Chris Scolo under contract. And then Andreas. Yeah, Chris Scolo, too. Yeah, Andreas and I kind of view Andy brought up the call up thing. I think Andreas was kind of brought in to push for a spot on the team, but also if the prospects like a Berggren's not ready to go, I think he's kind of like the call up, the floater guy who will bounce around between. Like, I think in like a couple of years, so not last season, but the season before when we had Brome, I think that's initially, if they wouldn't have had the taxi squad situation, I think that's what would have been Brome. He would have been up and down. I like. I think he would have been bouncing around more than he actually was. Um, but no, definitely exciting times. Uh, Elmer Sutterblom is a guy who went from long shot reach, like not long, not reach, but long shot from the sixth round to being a potential middle six winger, which is big. No pun intended. He does have uh, a big reach, though. He does have a huge reach. And that, that's like another thing. I'm like. With the um, the international ice, he's able to use the reach more because he has more space. How's he yeah. gonna do with the tighter space? You know, he's gonna have less less room Win- to actually stick handle. He'll be out there windmilling guys. Like a yeah, right, he's gonna be hitting the <laughs> ceiling. Back. He's gonna be hitting yeah. the ceiling with the stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many high sticking penalties does he get? Actually, he can't get any high sticking penalties. He's taller than everyone. Oh, I want him to like yeah, him match up against like Dylan McElrath in the corner. Yeah, miss Dylan McElrath. Miss him. Um, yeah, we can move on to some Memorial Cup stuff. I mean, well, league finals are still finishing up, but uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings are into the Memorial Cup final after a Sebastian Cosa 2 nothing shutout, 27 for 27. Not too bad. Um, I thought he had, he had a pretty solid final from like a statistical standpoint, but I mean, the rest of his playoffs were – it kind of seemed like he'd face 12 shots, let in two, mess up his save percentage, and then he'd like save, he'd go for a shutout, and then the next game, same thing. Um, finishes with a 16 and three record, 919 save percentage, 1.93 goals against. Uh, this is really good for Kosa moving forward. No, it is. It's just, it's still so tough to judge when you're playing for such a stacked team. And your numbers are pretty skewed. Like his goals against average is so good, and his save percentage is it's good. It's not great for a junior league. Um, it's tough to get a read on that. Um, I, I, it's very interesting. I guess to me, it's so hard to read a goalie like that. Yeah, like his numbers are honestly for CHL. I, I would say, I would say they're honestly pretty good above average because like you don't have you don't ever see like a stellar goalie in the CHL like what's like stellar points all around or um, stats all around sorry it's they're so hit and miss and like wishwashy like I think the last person that I can remember that had like stellar stats if I remember correctly was like Tyler Parsons in London. When the year they won the Memorial Cup, but they were stacked. Like goalies in the CHL are just kind of hard to read, no matter what. Yeah, no, I know it's like uh, Carter Hart, who seemed to be the hot shot next guy, then all of a sudden he gets to Philly. I mean, argue, you can argue how bad Philly's defense was for him, but again, yeah. he put up sick numbers in the WHL, and this is the transition. He's kind of rushed into it. Well, even like going back to like more local for myself, Matt Murray when he played for the Sioux Greyhounds, he was drafted I think to Pittsburgh in the second or third third round I think. Third round I think. And that was like a, in everyone's eyes around town like not to rip on Matt Murray, <clears throat> that was a reach. Like his number, like he was either lights out or he lets up ten goals the next game. Like you know, and then for his first two years in the NHL, he, I mean he got back-to-back rings so making six and a half sheets yeah so like future future Toronto Maple Leaf reunited with his old general manager Kyle Dubas everyone else on the roster too (laughs) 
<laughs> then Michael Bunting can share an apartment. Yeah, like they did here in town. <laughs> Do they actually? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, that'd be crazy if I just pulled yeah. that out. Yeah, no. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Shawinigan was another team that moved on for the, from the queue, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. And then it's Windsor versus um, Hamilton in the OHL finals. Pasquale Zito, Red Wings uh, prospect, six-round pick from last year. Scored a sick goal last night. Little top shelf action on the the breakaway. Did you guys catch that? I did catch that. That was yeah. sweet. It was really nice. Uh, he's like half a point per game right now. He was just, he's an assistant captain there. It's pretty cool. He's about a point per game in the regular season. I mean, he could be something. He could be nothing, but it's it's notable at least. Especially when he's wearing an A for a team that's you know in the OHL finals. Shows he has some sort, of, and it's also only eighteen as well. Usually, that's like a more of an overager. Kind of position there, yeah. Martin. Well, yeah, this year's a little bit different, though. How so? Uh, you had so like a lot of like in years past, your teams would be built with like your championship teams wouldn't be so like young per se for the OHL. They have a lot of eight, 19, 18, 19 year olds and stuff, but with COVID all those players like aged out or just went to school or left off. So like a lot of the, like the league is very, was very young. It was very like not great to watch. We have some breaking news. Red Wings news. Uh, Red Wings sign UC Oakland Nura. One year, two way contract, 750 K cap hit, uh, 425 K guaranteed UFA who played last year in the KHL for, uh, Mag- Magnetogorst, uh, he's a goalie, uh, six foot two, 201. Hmm. Uh, very interesting. This also broke on cap friendly. I have not seen anything from Detroit. This is two minutes ago. Oh. Very uh, interesting. Where's uh, what was his name? UC Ulk Kin Nuora. Grant, you want to like, look up his stats? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious if yeah he's, he's finished. Yeah, he played in KHL. Yeah, yeah. So, is this the veteran um, guy for Kosa? I'm guessing next year, veteran guy in the AHL. I mean, he's going to make quite a bit of money. Or yeah. is this kind of a backup option for Detroit? It's kind of my question. I'm pretty sure Magnetogorst was pretty decent last year in the KHL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Metalberg, yeah, they were good. Yeah. Um, I mean, he it says on uh, Elite Prospects that he signed with uh, HCBL in the NL, which is really interesting. Um, but so he dipped. Apparently, played all eight games for Finland at the World Championships, the nine ninety four save percentage, and a one point one goals against average. That's something. Uh, hmm. Only w- one game in the Olympics. And then he played 36 for Metalberg last year with a 917 and a 2.4. Interesting. So I'm kind of curious if he's going to be. Is this an indication that Eisman is not going to go hard in like the goalie market and he's going to kind of like maybe he brings back Helberg and this is like a competition for the backup job? Kind of seems like that. Yeah. He's I mean, the goalie years market. old. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the goalie for UFAs, at least the goalie market's not strong this year at all. So. No, it's yeah, it's kind of my point. Is like yeah. a lot of teams, a lot of teams will be tripping over themselves for the Vili Husos and Jack Campbells and Marc Andre Fleury's, where I think Detroit has an interesting opportunity to kind of sign like guys who, you know, kind of like a like the Koskinen situation who came in and was a reliable goalie. I know Koskinen left, but I mean, you look at his stats; he was a backup goalie for free. They got him for free. And I don't know, to me, like, it's well worth signing. I mean, his contract sucked after, but that's Peter, oh, yeah. Peter Shirelli. Okanaro is like, if he plays in the minors too, it's 375K. Uh, no, 425 guaranteed. Oh, 425 guaranteed. Yes. yes. Guaranteed that's, contract. Yeah, it's, that's big time. <laughs> yeah, that's big oh. time. 
So yeah. uh, you, you don't really see guaranteed contracts in hockey. It's more of a football thing. That's yeah. really interesting. That's a like, really you know interesting I mean? layout of a contract, which tells me almost gives me you're competing for a backup spot. And if you don't make That's, it, you're guaranteed this much to the minors. It's kind of what I'm thinking. It's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm yeah, that's what it quick. seems like anyways. Because with the guaranteed money on a two-way contract, obviously, right? Yeah, it's gar- yeah. so 425 guaranteed, that's the minimum he's going to make. Right. That, that seems like it's competitive for backup or... Which kind of makes me think that Helberg is going to be a guy that's going to be brought back. Right. Or unless Maybe, he but Helberg on. said he wouldn't play in the AHL. So if they're competing for a spot, he's probably wants to be certain that he's going to make the team. Be better. Yeah, you know what I mean, prove it. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. I was not expecting. I just happened to be on Twitter, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, yeah. breaker." I might have to write something real quick after this. It'd be kind of fun. Um, yeah, I guess we go into the playoffs now. Um, yeah, Eastern Conference Final. Rangers uh, get Tampa. Not unexpected. Not really. I mean, the first two games, they were on the brink of putting them up, being up 3 nothing, and then Andre Palat had other plans. My man might have increased his pay a little bit uh, this playoffs for his next uh, – for his UFA deal. Yeah, I just um, want to talk him down. Close. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, p- I picked you in the seventh round. You got to do yeah. this for me, Andre. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, the Rangers done. Lots of stuff going on in the Rangers now. Um. I love how Ryan Strom is the scapegoat and he is blamed for their loss entirely. Yeah. I feel like that's a bit of an overreaction. And it's like, I, I find it interesting like how much he like loves being in New York. I mean, it's a great location, but also like the fans don't, don't like you. Uh, I would hate it. Neither Islanders fans or Rangers fans. Yeah, it's like tough. <laughs> so you think he goes to the Devils try for the trifecta? Yeah. Yeah. And then Buffalo after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Buffalo I don't really count, but again, yeah, it's technically still a New York area team yeah. or New yeah. York team. No, yeah, um, the Rangers, they have an interesting offseason, starting with the response to the scratching of Capococco in game six. What do you guys make of that decision by Jared Gallant? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I thought Kako was a guy that was – Five and five, him and Lath control the pace in multiple games. Um, also along with Hito. Um, I think Dryden Hunt is a bag of rocks essentially. So putting in Dryden Hunt for him was also very interesting. But Dragon's an NHL coach, and I'm not, so I guess he does make a little bit more money than you. Yeah, just a little bit. A couple pennies. <laughs> I just yeah, I thought it was interesting too, considering like how good the kid line was, and I felt with an like a Strom who was obviously hurting, and Dryden Hunt who's just not that good, and you both you view them in a in a must win game better options than Capo Caco. I think not that good is really kind way to put it. Yeah, like <laughs> well, like I honestly would consider Greg McKegg better. I agree. Yeah. The name's better too. Gregory McKegory. <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't um, know. I, I just thought it was kind of weird because, like, the, the kid line, as they referred it to, was arguably like the last couple of rounds, their most consistent line, at least. Five on five, they were their best. Line. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Like, why take it on Capocaco? I have no clue why, but he deserved it. <laughs> Who, okay, next question. What team is the likeliest candidate to throw out a offer sheet at four point two million? I'll tell you the answer that should be. the The team that should be the answer is the Arizona Coyotes because they have five second round picks, or four second round picks right now. Excuse me, because they traded one of them. They should they can afford to lose their own second round pick. They could then, pay five point five million for them. Yeah, first no. I, well, you don't want to lose your first round pick. Cause it's, that's because your own first round pick. You can't choose which first round pick. Oh, it, it is. Has to be your own. Yeah, that's so that's tough. why. That's why if they go the team, yeah, 
the Arizona Coyotes should definitely be the ones to do because they have so many second round picks and a couple spots. It, like, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, you're whatever you're going to be drafting your second round pick. I'm pretty sure is 34th overall versus like the next one will be whatever at 40. Yeah, I'm sorry for a guy like like with Kako's um, potential still. That's an easy answer, but Arizona won't do it because they hate spending real money. What about Seattle? Because they have a load boatload of second round picks too. Seattle would also be a fun one, and I that think would be really fun. Because Seattle, really, oh Seattle's honestly gosh. a good option. Seattle's actually oh, a good option. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I haven't be, actually thought about that. They have a ton of draft picks for one coming up in the next three years. And so they're going to be young. He's young, but also an NHL player that they can have in their roster right now. Right. You know, like maybe put him with veneers. I don't know if he'd be like a first line player right away, but for what they have, it's not, not like out of the picture to give it a shot at least. Yeah. I mean, I'd even throw Detroit in there. I mean, you'd have to move some wingers around again, but I mean, I don't like, the Red Wings have the cap space, and it's only a one-year deal. It's kind of like what the, the Hurricanes did with Kakanyami this year before right. signing him to a way too long of a contract that doesn't look too good right now. Um, but, yeah, signing signing him to a point where the team won't match the offer sheet and you're not giving up that much money. It's a very unique situation with players like him and Pugliarvi, who both teams are in kind of a cap. New York less – like New York not as much as Edmonton. But four million dollars is enough to make them think about it, where they'll have to make a couple moves to instead of you know allocating four million dollars on a player that they're not exactly sure where he's going to line up in the lineup. Right. So that's the like that's just a smart move for any GM to make, and I think I think Seattle honestly like Ron Fan- Francis if he wants to redeem himself a little bit, that's what he's got to do. I, I'm I'm with you, Ron Francis. Yeah. Come on. I man. mean, he got yeah he got kind of shit on for. His expansion draft, but kind of got obviously, shit on. Well, yeah, kind of. My like, next really... one's Pat, Pat Verbeek. Ooh, yep. Zegris and Kako on line. There we go. 2019. Very sweet. That would be fun. Or, or Cider and Kako first D pairing. Cider and Kako. That'd be fun. Transition to a left defenseman. It's just like. Um, Golden Tate transitioning to a baseball player. That's true. I didn't know that until you sent that today. Um, what I think of the first thing I think of with Capo Caco with the Rangers in his tenure is the first thing I think of is the video when he was drafted and they flew him out to New York after the draft. And the video he took in New York City looked like he was being held at gunpoint. Do you remember that? You, you do you remember that or no? No. Look, go look it up after this, but it's basically like. <laughs> He's kind of like just panning like his forehead and like you can see his mouth. He's like, wow, New York City. It's so nice. But like he's like talking like monotoned as if like he's being told to say like these things about New York City. It's really like it's like only like a seven second clip. And it's like really you're like, are you okay, Capo? Like blink twice. (laughs) (laughs) It's super funny. No, the the Rangers. I mean, they went farther than anyone expected. Shesterkin was a freak. Um. Keandre Miller is going to get paid in a couple of years. Man's yeah. a freak. I was really, the 2018 draft. I keep I keep saying this. I wanted I wanted him with the second Detroit second pick. I wanted Keandre Miller, and we got we got Joe Valeno in that draft. But uh, yeah, Keandre that's Miller's, all right. We're getting Anthony Sorelli. That's true. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, talk about that. We can talk about that in a future episode, but it's fine. Um, no, Keandre Miller, very good. Um, Andrew Cop. I, that was such a good. He had 32 points in 36, 36 games total with the Rangers, which is quite the quite the pickup. Um, yeah, they have a, definitely an interesting off season ahead of them. Also, re-signing Kraftsoff, who's reportedly yeah. like going to stay. It's reported they like want him in New York, and he wants to be in New York. It's very interesting, which also oh. complicates Cabo Caco's situation as well. Right. Well, that was the whole dilemma with. With Kravstov, right? Is he didn't want to play in the AHL, AHL anymore? Yeah, and this is a one-way deal he got signed for. <laughs> right. So, he, he, so literally, he'll have to go. Th- he'll have to go through waivers if they send him down. Um. <laughs> so it's another. It's an, it's very interesting. I mean, Georgiev as well as a guy who might not get qualified for what he's because ma- he's making he's gonna be making too much and he didn't perform exactly well in New York. 
So yeah, there's yeah. a ton of things going on in New York. How much does he make, Georgiev? Georgiev, I'm pretty sure he was at like 1.7 or something this year. I'm guessing. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. Hmm. So I'm guessing his qualifying would be like two million or something like that, which kind of makes you like for a guy who put up an eight nine six, it's kind of yeah. hard to to really justify that. Yeah. Um. No, I'm really interested with the Rangers. There's so many teams this offseason. I mean, Edmonton, another team, especially with the rumor that if Duncan Keith retires, that they'll actually gain more salary cap space because of the illegal contract that the Blackhawks signed with Keith, which would have resulted in a $7.5 million cap penalty to Chicago, which honestly, like, Chicago deserves it. They deserve all the bad things coming to them. Then they lose to Brinkett, which would be hilarious. And I to Detroit, let's lots of players to Detroit. Honestly, also, Georgia was making two point four. Even more. That's a dude. Yeah. I don't think he gets. He's not getting qualified. No, no, he can't. They, no, no, because that's no. like his qualifying would probably be. It, it's at least two point four. It'd probably be closer to three. Well, isn't which it? Which is a tough. <laughs> isn't it like six percent over? I don't know. I, I don't know the. Is the minimal? I thought I was like six percent over. You could minimum. be. You could be. You could be right. I don't know off the top of my head. Because I thought that's Man. what. Uh, that's why, like, some, when uh, Line A was si- signed the one year or two two year with seven point something million in Winnipeg, yeah, he could he couldn't make less than six percent over. I thought as well, it's like a number like that, a certain percentage over, or right. under, yeah, yeah, like that's the, like six percent over per se. Six percent is the minimum he could make of his like most recent contract. Right. Right. Man, it's gonna be uh, yeah, it's gonna be a fun off season for sure. Um, Tampa Bay, though, I mean, clinical defensively, shut down. And Grant, I mean, we're, we've been talking about Sorelli all playoffs, but I think he really was like really important in this series itself. Like not from an offensive standpoint, but defensively, some monster, dominant five on five. Uh, the Criders, Abanjad, and Vetrano line just got outworked completely. And then you add, I know Kalorn was getting a lot of flack the first two rounds. He was rough. So was Sorelli. Um, clinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought Hagel fit in really well in that line, too, because he can shift his game into defensive. Um, he struggled a bit offensively without Kane, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But on a line with Sorelli and Kalorn, he's really stood out in a defensive role, like blocking yeah. everything that comes to him. And then all three of those guys can play so possessive down low. And then they can just pin you, which going into Colorado, that's a line that really needs to be good. Um, your matchup is going up three notches, in my opinion, because you're going to be going against Landeskog and McKinnon and Nachushkin. Mm-hmm. Rantanen. <laughs> well, they're going to be playing probably matched up against the McKinnon, Landeskog, Nachushkin line, right, right. which that line is – Phenomenal. So I think that goes up three notches from you're facing Kreider, Zabanajed, and Vitrano. Yep. Man. It's kind of a natural transition, though. We can go into the finals now. Um, what do you guys feel on who's going to win? What do you guys think the biggest keys, like, matchups are for both teams? I mean, you just, Grant, you just laid out one, so that might be your answer. But I don't know. What are you guys thinking going into it? Um. I think for Colorado, it's going to be being able to not get killed on the five on four, not letting Tampa's power play get hot, um, making sure your goaltending is sound, whether that's Kemper or Franco's. And then last, don't let your top line get cold from Sorelli's line. Um, five on five, this Colorado team – has dominated every single team they've played. And I don't I don't see that stopping even with how Sorelli's line played last series. I think, like I said, it's a big step up facing the dog. Um, he's mm-hmm. not even Ryan O'Reilly could really stop him. He shut him down for two or three games, and then the dog got hot again. I think this team is way too good to be beaten. They're, they have animals all over on their roster. I think a big key for them is Kadri coming back. I think if Braden Point comes back for Tampa, they need Kadri back. Yeah, so the report right now is – so Cooper said today that 
point is hopeful for game one, but probable for game two. I saw that. So it makes yeah. me kind of think that they might not play point game one, but definitely will go game two. And I saw a report from Friedman that Kadri is expected beginning to mid series. It just with point coming back after missing all this time, I think he's going to come back possessed and you're mm-hmm. coming back into a Stanley Cup final. Um, which scares me a bit. And I think Kadri, if he decides if he gets to come back, I think he's gonna be possessed too. He's pissed. This is such a like a fun matchup. I have no idea. Like Andy, do you have a really like do you have a pick in this series? Um no, like I like every time I think about it, like which was like last couple of days, it's been like every hour. It literally switches back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Um I kinda I'm kind of the same way right now. Um, I kind of feel like today, like some guy at work asked me, Garth, like, what are you feeling on it? And I said, Colorado in six, but it's, and now like thinking back to my pick, I kind of regret it. Cause I don't know. I think it might, I think it goes seven. I can see Tampa winning easily. I think it's Colorado in five or Tampa in seven. Interesting. Yeah, I know. See what you mean? Like, it's like so many possibilities in the series. Like it's, no, besides like a sweep, I could see any scenario happening. I literally think Colorado's gonna dominate the series unless their goaltending takes a dump. Yeah, um, which scares me a little bit. I think one of Kemper Francis has to be really good. Yeah, I think Kemper said he's one hundred percent to go. So I'm assuming since it's like a fresh series, that Kemper will start. I would uh, think so, uh, but you never know. Francis looked pretty good towards the end of that series against Edmonton. Did. He did for sure. No, definitely. There's definitely a decision to be made. But yeah, you bring up the point, like, no pun intended, the point in point. Yeah. Um, you get that. Then you have Kadri, who's coming back. That's kind of a wash there. But you bring up the shutdown line in Tampa, which is going to be huge for that series. Yeah, I just, it's tough for me. I kind of almost put it defense on defense. And right now, Tampa's defense is better. You think? <sighs> I think, like, as a team, yeah. Kale McCarr beats their whole defense himself, in my opinion. I Devontae's and Kale McCarr are unbeaten, and Bo Byram has been a stud. Eric Johnson's so been good. very, very good. The only weak link on that defense is Jack Johnson. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay, though. Uh, Zach Bogosian's putting up dangles in the ozone. Yeah, their, their whole defensive core was junk last series, though. Besides Hedman. Yeah. Like, analytically, that defensive core was horrible. Mariah McDonough was a garbage shoot, and he needs to be on top of his game if they want any chance of beating, shutting down Nathan McKinnon. Ryan McDonough has to be possessed. A stud, yes. Yeah. I just don't see this. I don't know. Joe Sackick said it best. This, I mean, I wasn't really – watching but he basically said this is the best defensive core the avalanche had since their last Stanley Cup. No, I agree and this is missing Gerard as well. I mean Josh is, Manson yes. Josh Manson's a good good playoff He's defenseman. Been very good. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, such a toss up. It's going to be fun. I think Vasilevsky's probably like my biggest X factor for the series. If yeah. if he's playing to the top of his game, I don't think Colorado can do it. This I is think, like the first like real top goalie Colorado's faced all all playoffs. I stay stand I don't think Vasilevsky is the X, X factor. I really? Cam, I think it's Kale McCarr. I, I guess maybe – no, I'm still going Vasilevsky for the whole series. I understand Kale McCarr pick. He'd be my pick in Colorado, but – I, I yeah. think Kale McCarr, if he can be let loose, if McKinnon takes any flack from Sorelli, Kale McCarr is going to get more open ice, and that's not good. No, definitely not good. Um, I'm trying to like, man, are you going to, do you see, so is your, what's your prediction then? Let's finalize it. I'll go Colorado in five. I, th- I think this team is due. I think Corey Perry stays on his three. He hits his three year slide. And then next, next year, he'll go four years in a row losing the cup finals. That'd be hilarious. I kind of like, I like the idea of Patty Maroon getting a fourth. I think it's hilarious. Um, and like you can, I, I saw, I saw a joke being said that, um, we could possibly have Maroon five. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
yeah. he gets his fifth and he can finally call him you can refer to him as maroon five that would, um, be cool. that would be very fun um i i'll stick with my no i'm gonna go colorado in seven i think it's gonna be a similar thing what happens is colorado gets the hot start in the series they go up one or two games to zero tampa will claw, claw its way back but i think colorado's got what it takes to actually beat beat the beast the scariest part of this series is if Tampa falls behind like they did last series, right? And Tampa is starting on the road again. They lost two games at MSG. Mm-hmm. Um, you're playing at Ball Arena, which has been electric all playoffs. Correct. If you fall behind 2-0, um, the Colorado Avalanche haven't lost on the road this playoffs. No. They've lost three games in this postseason, and all three have been at home. Um. That would that scare you if you're the Lightning going into Game Three and Four? That the team you're facing is not lost on the road this playoffs. They've been <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, I mean Colorado's lost two games total. Three, three games. No, two. You're right. Two they've lost two games at home. Yeah, they've lost two games total. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But I mean, they haven't. They literally teams struggle on the road in the postseason. They haven't yeah. lost a single game on the road. Yeah. I think once the series goes back to Tampa and Colorado gets one game in Tampa, I think it's, I think it's over. That's my yeah. biggest thing. I don't like, I think Tam- I, I don't count Tampa out until they go back home. Like it could be one or like, it could be one, one or two, zero going back to Tampa. And I'm not worried about it for Tampa Bay's perspective. No, I think, like I think this is also like it's an interesting year because it's also the first year that I really truly think like this is Julian Breezeball's team. Like this is his like he's had to make more and more decisions. Obviously, he still has pieces that Eisman has like drafted and stuff. Yeah. But he's really made his like imprint on trades and free agency, like the Hagel trade, Nick Paul. Um stuff that like Nick that. Like, Paul trade was so good. He is oh such a good gosh. such a good he's such a good depth guy. I mean, and they didn't pay that much for him. No, they gave up Joseph and what? A fourth. third or fourth? I think, a, I think it was a fourth. Joseph. And uh, fourth. The best part about this is he's literally, Breeze was making these trades just to get these players paid. Like Nick Paul's going to get overpaid this year. He's going to make like three and a half million for like he's four years. He's going to the same thing as what happened to Goodrow and Coleman. Yeah. Goodrow, Good like, never mind. I won't go to that, but uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. And Hagel, I mean, he's locked under two for a couple more years and he's been he's been good in that role i don't think five for three years yeah in that role great because then you have your calorn and plot replacement probably i mean depending on what happens and shakes out but no i think this is going to be or so this is like the first not like i saw something that was like is this the best final in x amount of years or whatever and i look back to 2019 2019 was a really good final between st louis and boston um, the past like couple with Tampa Bay, the past two Tampa Bay ones have been kind of rough. Tampa Bay has has played almost the worst team in each playoff. Yeah, and then this year they're playing the best team in the playoffs. Yep, which is I'm really excited to see how they handle it. And this is truly a legacy moment, right? Like it's going to be three in a row, which it hasn't been done in since Islanders. Yeah. And this is which, cap era too, which is cap, basically even crazy. A whole another layer onto this. So this, it, this team is unbelievable. As a Red Wing fan, this is very interesting from a rooting perspective. I know, like with our age and stuff, we weren't really involved with the Colorado era rivalry because it was basically dead by the time we really got into it. But I understand from the obviously from a fan perspective, it's it's tough. And there's no rivalry right now, so it's like doesn't matter. And I love the Colorado Avalanche's team. But uh, and then Tampa Bay as well is like we've kind of had an, an in division rivalry with the playoffs more recently with the Red Wings, but again, it doesn't really matter because the Red Wings weren't really good and didn't really have a chance to beat them, to be honest. Except if Cronwell wasn't suspended game seven. True. <laughs> so yeah, I it's I'm just excited to watch good hockey, to be honest. And it's tomorrow Me night. Too. Tomorrow I've night. Been pacing. I haven't known what to do. I know without hockey to watch. No Premier League either. Watch them on a psych. That's not bad though. No. I finished Peaky Blinders. Nice. Literally, Emma and I we finished it. So like that was 
quite it was such a crazy ending of the season i've in the new season i won't spoil anything for anyone whoever listens but or yeah whoever watches i should say that's it's such a crazy ending to the season but uh instead of doing a recap on uh shows we're watching i think that's gonna wrap up this episode unless you got anything else that's all uh yeah check us out um inside the rink we got a bunch of new stuff coming out um Next week, possibly, could be doing a draft-centric episode, depending on scheduling and all that. Um, but we're going to really ramp up the off-season content with free agency, potential trade, obviously the draft, maybe hopefully some coaching news soon enough, depending how fast Tampa Bay gets, <laughs> Tampa Bay gets this over with or knocked out. <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, support us. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at TPLpod um subscribe apple podcast leave a review uh really helps in the charts and yeah thank you so much Bye.